Blog Talk Radio. This is that feeling that you get right before you pull into the water box or right after you do your burnout. Check them straps. Roll your neck a little bit. Take a couple deep breaths. You bumping it in. And you let go. Well, this is time at the bottom and you know you crushed it. You get the 500 foot out and you start beating the pedal out of that thing. You get to the finish line, you knock them, drop them. Whatever you do, <laughs> this is that feeling right here. Comments or opinions stated, expressed, or implied are not necessarily those of Wheels Up Radio or its sponsors. Take care now. Bye-bye then. Good evening, everybody. Yes, I have returned just a little early. I'm just trying to, like, keep up with this. You know, when I go from November to, you know, February and do no shows, I'm completely, like, deer in headlights for the first show in February. So, yeah, I'm trying to take it like, you know, once a month or something just to, you know, stay. And also I'm trying to stay relevant. You know, that's just how it goes. So we have an awesome show for you tonight. It is our first one of the year. Um, we are sponsored this year for this show um, by Remflex Exhaust Gaskets. Um, they're going to be sponsoring the Wednesday night show. Every week, we also um, have a new sponsor on our Monday night show, Jeff Kondratic Racing which I probably go and visit Jeff uh, probably every other race at least for some kind of issue. Well, not even issues, questions, concerns. You know, basically I'm, I'm a Simpson fanatic, so I love Simpson. When he started selling Simpson, he just makes it super easy to buy Simpson products at the track. Um, he also helps me with my custom seatbelts, which as anybody that's seen me probably doesn't believe this, but I am too small for a regular seatbelt. So I need to get them custom made every year so they actually keep me tight because when you're racing with your dad, he makes sure that you can practically choke on your seatbelt because he has you so tight in there. So I've I've learned. I've understood. So, But Jeff hooks us up with that every year, and we are very appreciative. I'm appreciative to have him on my show on Monday nights. I'm appreciative that he's at pretty much every Division One and Two race and probably some other ones thrown out there. But as I said, we have an awesome show tonight to kick off 2018. We have Bill Floyd, which most of you out there, at least the ones in Division Three, maybe some that travel to Division Three, would call Red Man. So we're going to have him on. It should be a pretty interesting time. And tonight, obviously, you know, I'm hosting. So that means Chris is, you know, to actually today he is bus driving the ski team. He sent me some pictures of the – um, the hill, um, yeah, I'd rather be strapped into my, you know, very, the high horsepower race car. So I would never, I'll just stick to the money slope those couple times every five years I'm snowboarding. So, um, but joining us tonight, he is the president of the mid Atlantic dot 90 association. Um, going to see him, uh, at a family get together this weekend and he will 
probably be in the adjoining room at uh, next weekend's NHRA Division One banquet. The president of the Dot Ninety Association, Mr. Rob Keister. No, oh, good evening. Wheels up radio, Kelly and everybody, and happy new year and all that fun stuff and ready to kick off 2018 with a bang, as always, with uh, the first episode of Wheels Up Radio for Wednesday night. And, uh, you know, uh, some changes for uh, for this this year. We got some new sponsors, like Kelly already mentioned, and um, we uh, we have some a uh, little bit of change up with uh, – who uh who's going to be hosting on uh on certain nights um i believe uh the beginning of this is supposed to, it's supposed to eventually work out to uh myself and bob bender and chris will be doing one week and then mike and chris and then possibly a guest host along the way either kelly congratic or even miss barbada will be doing the uh following weeks until kelly show kicks uh back into high gear in february so, a bunch of um, well, not really too much news uh going on in the uh the world of drag racing. It's been kind of kind of mute, and some guys are actually already getting ready to go testing, and I believe some of the pro stock teams are already testing down in Braderton. Uh, but it's been kind of <laughs> quiet. Not not really any sponsor news. No driver changes. It's been kind of boring actually in the off season as far as uh what's going on. But uh. I know uh, everybody on the East Coast is gearing up for the big winter storm that is going to be hitting us tomorrow. I know Chris is excited and thrilled about the 24 inches of snow <laughs> that New Hampshire is supposed to be getting tomorrow. So I know he is just just beaming with gleam, as you can tell off his Facebook post. Yes. You know, and the funny thing is, is if you talk to somebody else, like a um, – Justin Lopes, who runs Supergas, he loves this because this basically pays for his whole racing season. So it, it is very – it's a big dichotomy when you're uh, – when you live up there and whether or not you have a plow, you can pretty much tell the people that have plows and the people that don't have plows. Yep, yeah. And if you're anything like me, I mean, where I live, um, you're lucky if the plow comes around by about day number two of the uh, snowstorm because of where I live. Uh, so luckily enough, I have a Jeep and it can get through most of the, uh, of the snow. So uh, it's not too bad. And the, the major highways are usually pretty cleared off. As I told Kelly earlier, I'm kind of hoping that uh, my phone rings before I get on the road at five fifteen tomorrow morning to get to work. And I get the, uh, we are, we are closed for the day. Um, not too sure because, where I live, we're supposed to get something between three to seven inches of snow, but up closer where I work in Philadelphia is only supposed to be one to three. But I know the schools have actually already been closed in Philly, but uh, it, it should be interesting. I'm hoping I don't have to burn a personal day, but uh, but uh, it, it might be kind of tough for me to, to get up there. But we we shall wait and see. Yeah, that's. It's kind of interesting, like, when that happens, when they close school, it's like, that's what I always think, like, okay, ish got real. They're closing schools. So they also know. And it's probably better that way because there was an issue a couple years ago where they, they, like, kind of knew it was going to snow, and then they didn't close, and then everybody tried to leave Philadelphia within, like, a half an hour. (laughs) It doesn't work out well. I think, I think, or it was that, I don't know. Maybe it's the maybe it's just us being 
grown-ups and being more, you know, older than we were when we went to school. But it just seems like the minute somebody mentions snow anymore, the schools are closed. It used to be, I mean, me and you both went to Catholic school, so it was kind of like, well, we're going to play it by ear, and we might do a half a a day dismissal. Like, you might have to come in and, you know, go for a couple couple hours, and then we'll send you home at, like, 11 o'clock, or we'll send you home at, like, 10 o'clock. Now it's like the minute somebody yeah. says, there's going to be snow, okay, we're closed for tomorrow. It's like, okay. Mm-hmm. No, we always had to wake up. Like, I don't know about you, but, like, we had to wake up. And then you didn't have online. You had to wait to hear. Like, wait to hear your, like, school getting called or your school district if it's a Catholic school. And then there's two Villa Maria, so I always had to be careful. They were talking about the lower Villa Maria or Villa Maria High School. So it was always confusing whether or not I had off or not. And, you know, we didn't have text messaging back then. You just hope that one of your friends found out and called you. Like, but it was, but we had to still wake up, like, at 4 a.m. And guess who has a 4 a.m. wake-up call tomorrow, no matter what? The Donald. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He said, I have to go into work early. I'm going to wake up with you. And I'm like, so i got to wake up at 4 anyway tomorrow, most likely, unless his his overtime gets canceled because of the snow. Yeah, and so it'll be it'll be definitely be a, a wait and see and kind of see what happens with the storm. You know, uh, originally it was supposed to shoot out east and or out yeah out to out the sea and not really supposed to be a glancing. And then I turned it on this morning and actually had to go to Shoprite today and that was a bad mistake while I was out doing some errands and uh, uh, it was a uh, bread and milk uh, mania. Of course, being the first in a month and. Uh, in the area where I live, the first of the month is a national holiday for for us. So um, uh, not personally me, but uh, a lot of my neighbors, um, they look forward to the first of the month because Uncle Sam comes through with a check for them. So uh, ShopRite was ShopRite was, uh, was booming today with the bread and milk sales plus anything else. So uh, it, it was a mm-hmm. it was it was an interesting day, you know. Uh, but I did the mistake, so. But uh, it's yeah. okay. Like I said, uh, looking forward to having Red Man on tonight. Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, as you look on Class Racer lately, it's been a, uh, it's been a somber uh, kind of uh, uh, some message board up here. Uh, some Division One uh, alum and uh, stock racers, uh, unfortunately, have passed away in the past uh, two weeks or so. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know I'm gonna unfortunately spell his say his name wrong. Is uh, Jerry Viganoga? Yeah. Viganoga. Um, I know. I know. We yeah. actually have a caller. Uh, Let me uh, bring him in, and then maybe he can pronounce it because I do not recognize this number. But we're going to. We're just gonna click it. Hello. Hello. Good evening. Mr. Bender. Ah, How are you? good. This is this is where. He shines, and not because of people passing, because you're a fellow stock racer, and I believe you posted one of these, and you probably know a little bit more information yeah. than us yeah. ninety racers know. <laughs> so, and I'm not really on class yeah. racer arts that much. So now that I'm back to work, so um, Mr. Bender, please tell us um, the unfortunate stuff that's been going on in Division One lately. Well, a few weeks back, we had uh, Jerry Vignona pass. Uh, Jerry's been doing this. A long time, and then this past Thursday, uh, Bill Spider Spinakis he passed, and he's been on it 
fifty plus national champ a few times, uh, divisional champ a few times. And he's been a personal friend of mine since the early sixties, and it's a pretty hard pill to swallow with him. And uh, we have his service and everything on Friday. Okay. Yeah, okay. I didn't. I didn't see when the. I didn't see when the services were posted yet. I, I was looking on here to see if uh, when everything was um, for him, because you know I knew I knew Spider was a like you know like you said Bob Spider was a really good friend of yours. Uh, always parked next to you when he did race, and I know his last race that I can remember personally was at Maple Grove, uh, probably six or seven years ago. So, but uh, you know anybody who. Who you know knows of a spider in Division One? Um, you know maybe not recognized him lately because you know he of course didn't race uh, race very often uh, the past few years or so. But anybody remembers back in the '60s and '70s and even the '50s or was he was the he was the driver of the Monster Mash um, uh, stocker and and was uh, was partners with uh, Grumpy. Yeah, their original the original deal they there was actually three five Chevys named Monster Mash. The uh, the last one being the more noteworthy and the fastest, and it was a more or less a science project for them because Spider had started at Grumpy Shop as the cleanup guy, sweeping the floor, doing odds and ends, and it progressed into a good friendship. And Spider was a tinkerer, so was so was Grump. They they put their minds together and. Uh, Tried a bunch of stuff, and uh, pretty much the rest is history, per se. And that, that 55 was the, the baddest-ass ice stick car in the country. It, it was actually faster than some of the, you know, G and E cars back in the day. Wow. Yeah, my, yeah, my dad was telling me some stories when we were sitting there talking uh, at lunch on, on Saturday. And he told me some funny stories about Spider and how him and Jenkins and and stuff or was and <laughs> about how the car was so fast that I think it was something something along the way that, that they either Grump or, or, or uh Spider it was had it like the when they stopped racing or something they had it they had it towed to a junkyard and crushed or something like that, that's what he was saying. Well, actually what happened was he went through a pretty nasty divorce and uh he ended up selling the car to a, a guy by the name of Dink Lawrence from up in Pennsylvania. And they evidently didn't tie it down very well. And somewhere on the Pennsylvania Turnpike, probably dodging one of them numerous potholes, it ended up coming off the truck. And then they ended up crushing the car. But I had the opportunity of driving that car one time at Cecil. And I was under it, in it. And that that car was 40 years ahead of its time. And everybody Mm -hmm. thought they had the most horsepower and the baddest motor in town. At motor probably ten more horsepower than the rest of us back then, but it was all in chassis and setup, gearing, and it 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 was just state of the art. Cool. Yeah. So yeah. unfortunately, you know, it's it, it's it's a sad that going class racer and you and you see these just you know the passing of of all these racers. You know, I mean, I know we're not getting any younger and. You know, I mean, you know, the younger generation still, you know, up and coming and stuff. But, you know, it's uh, it's tough sometimes where it was when you go in there and people that you personally know and you see them, you know, you see them pass, you know, through through looking at class racer. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a shame sometimes. 
Well, Gary, Gary was sick, and there, you know, not too many people knew it. I mean, if you physically looked at him, you could see each year he got a little thinner, and uh, you know, a little not as strong as he was. But no one, you know, I didn't know the facts or whatever. Spider, he he retired from pretty much everything because of health. He was doing dialysis every other day, and I mean, you know, he 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 just he wore out, and that's that's what happens to all of us. And you know, I'm I'm blessed so far that even with this this cancer crap I got going on, and I finished my chemo, and I'm I'm slowly getting a little stronger, and you know, getting old is not a fun thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just it just stinks, but. I guess on a, bit, a bigger and brighter things, I guess if we can really say that it was, Bob, you haven't been on here in a while. And uh, what has been going on? You know, we, we you know, I, I mentioned last, uh, probably two weeks ago or three weeks ago when we were, when I was on here, you know, about some of the, some of the treatments you were going through and, you know, we were all praying for you and, and uh, you know, get through your, your chemo treatments and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, how, how's things on the home front? And, uh, you know, we, we have we made a schedule for this year. Well, I'm uh, I'm back in rotation starting tonight with you guys, and that's a wonderful thing. And I'm I'm slowly getting better. Uh, the 11th, I have blood work and an MRI to see if uh, I got to do radiation again. And got the old fingers crossed that I don't. But you never know. But you know, I'm I'm a big mouth. I'm a fighter. I I'm gonna do whatever it takes because I want to live. So I'll I'll do whatever, and uh, I really don't think about it much. It was wrong back uh, about a month before the Dutch I started feeling crappy. And that's why the weekend after the Dutch, I got the motor out of the car, uh, popped a new converter in the tranny, ordered a new ring and pinion. I, I'm ready to go for, for Dinwiddie in the spring. Uh, I want to get going and get some racing done. And all I have is positive thoughts. And want to get through life with the least amount of drama and the friends I got remaining. I want to have some laughs with them, and when I can, have a beer. So it, it it's all good. Sounds good. I, I'll have a beer with you if that's okay. Um, hey, the doctor told me I could have if I wanted. I tried one a while back, and it just didn't set well. If you know what I'm saying, so mm-hmm. I'll. I'll, I'll hang in. Hershey's coming up, and I might have one or two up there. So, one or two probably knocked me on my on, on my keister, so to speak. <laughs> well, if a beer is you know not settling well with you, if you come over to our room, I believe we're probably going to have at least three or four different kinds of whiskey, some vodka. We already have the bag set up, and um, some chocolate pudding shots. So you are more than welcome to. I think we talked about some moonshine at some point, but you know, if the beer is not selling with you, moonshine should be fine, Bender. Well, it it was due to the fact of, uh, and 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 I'm I'm sure Rob can tell you that the, the chemo just takes your whole system and uh, it it washes out and tries to kill things that don't need to be killed and and this that and the other and I was I was really clearly blessed. I didn't have the you know, the jumbo bags and the full day treatments and all that. Mine mine was a whole lot weaker and milder, but 
not being a kid anymore, it still kicks you in the fanny and makes you, for me, made me tired and, you know, some other uh, issues. But it it is what it is, and, you know, I, I just I need to rest and get my mind settled in on making some more horsepower out of that little motor. And uh, with the horsepower factor the way it is now, I got some horsepower back, some free free four horsepower from NHRA. So probably what I'll do is put a couple pounds in it, drop down a class, pick up three tenths on the index, and probably be a good solid one undercar. So I look forward to, man. A little woman to take care of me. So life is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and I mean, I had an aunt I'm really close to. She went through it, so and she she's not one to be bashful about what was going on with her. So, uh, and I won't go into it here, but I, I I know where you're I know where you're going, and I I I I you know I wish you well, and you know, luckily, you know, hopefully you'll get some good news and everything, and I'm sure the you know the car, you know, I'm sure the you know the the horsepower that NHRA gave you back was a very good Christmas gift and some motivation, but you know, it's, you know, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's all motivation to get back out there. So it's, it's, it's great that you're feeling better and hopefully you just keep getting better and better. And yeah, didn't what he's, you know, you got some time. Oh no, man. I got a lot to do. I gotta, I gotta <laughs> get this fit, that fit. And, you know, I, I do want to thank everybody for the prayers because I, I, I truly, truly believe and, you know, prayer is a good thing, and it works. Mm-hmm. I'm a Christian. Yeah. Not a very good one. I fall down a lot, but <laughs> it is what it is, and and I do believe, and I believe that works sometimes better than pills. Yep. No, there's well, no, ben, no reason just, to. Uh... I was going to say, Bender, you just do what I do with Kelly and Don every time they go to church on Sunday morning and tell them to pray for me. That's all. Yeah. Just, you know, this way I don't have to go to yeah, church. One day I just say, you know, me and my dad, go, <laughs> me and my dad go to church, like Catholic church. Like even if we're at the track, we know the local Catholic churches. So me and my dad will go there. Rob and Don have started to go to racers for Christ, but then like Rob, I think dropped off a couple of times and Don just kept going to racers for Christ. <laughs> but, I don't understand. He doesn't go. His father goes to the uh, Catholic Church there in Vineland all the time. Who is that, my dad? Yeah, he goes to St. Mattress and Philip. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> I don't know what you were thinking. You, my, mine will fly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, he's not even lucky, here to lucky. defend himself. You're not, you're lucky if you get that man to, to to get into a church for either a wedding or a funeral. That's about the extent of getting him into a church. Yeah, but you gotta love him. He's a good guy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh man. Oh yeah. So, what's uh, what's red coming on? Seven thirty, I think. <laughs> Seven thirty, Redman's coming on. Yeah, so we got a couple. We got a couple minutes. So, um, I guess we we found out um, uh, Bob's update. So how about Rob? I heard. Uh, I heard. Well, I heard from your dad via Don 
that your dad is ready to go racing. And it's January. Well, I mean, when you have a brand new motor built and uh it's it's uh unfortunately had one run on it last year and you know, unfortunately with the untimely passings of everything going on in my family last year between my mom and my stepmom both passing away. Uh, it made it a little tough to, to try to go to a racetrack and uh, and race. So uh, as far as I know, um, from what I have been told, is that my dad will be hitting all of the about 90 races in 2018. His membership is actually already – he was the second member to sign up already for this year. Derek Clark actually was the first one. Um, so, uh, so I assume he probably already had the check already made out. I just didn't stop over to the house to pick it up. So, if I, um, he's already signed up for it. Um, I'm hoping that wasn't myself his Christmas personally. gift. No, no, he got some he got some Echo gift cards. So all his all his uh, entry gate entries into Echo and Maple Grove are taken care of for this year. So. Oh, that's the thing I, I got that too. <laughs> Unfortunately, Cecil Pounding doesn't have gift cards. They they have some kind of version of gift cards, but you like gotta like send the form to Cecil County, and then they mail you like the gift card. It's kind of weird. It's not really like you, know, you can't really go yeah. online and just click on it and buy a gift card, and they mail them to you. So I didn't go to Cecil County, uh, you know, way of of buying a gift card. So, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm hoping. What was that, Bob? Our base is going to be. Uh, in conjunction with Dave's at uh, ATCO? I believe one race now. I think only one weekend we're going to be there with Dave. That's the weekend before the Lucas race. Um, you know, Dave has such a crazy schedule with all the the, the NHRA stuff that he does. Um, the other weekend that we're at ATCO, he is uh, in Charlotte, I believe. So... So it, it's kind of it's kind of tough for him to you know when I when I talk to him about trying to put races together between me and him you know between those two weekends and then also Maple Grove and I even tried to twist his arm to come to Cecil for a weekend but he didn't want to do that so um, we uh, it was it was kind of really hard for us to, to set dates together uh, just because of the way his schedule is I mean he's you know he's got a nut schedule as it is between doing all this, all the stuff for the NHRA national events, you know, going all around the place. And then of course he's, you know, division one, and then he's got, you know, stock super stock and, you know, he's a, he's a very wanton man, you know, so, uh, you know, it's kind of tough. So I I believe right now one weekend uh, we are with, uh, or we are with Dave's uh, group and and I'm not too sure if the Maple Grove race um, that we have the weekend before the Lucas race, I'm not sure if he's, Trying to put a date there, I'm not. I'm not all too sure. I I know with, I know with Joe not going to not not uh, Joe not being at Maple Grove. Um, I'm not really too sure if he wants to, he wanted to go back to Maple Grove or not. So I think he might just keep it all all uh, all an echo. But I know it's a tentative. There's a tentative schedule. There's a tentative schedule uh, up on class racing for him. Let me look over it real quick here. Um, so what we're talking about is Dave Lay's East Coast Stock Shoot, um, a very a great uh, series for anybody who wants to uh, to run Stock Super Stock and maybe you know not do the NHRA uh, tour. But um, he has five dates announced so far. He has uh, Saturday, July 28th, and Sunday, July 29th at Echo, 
uh, Saturday, August 25th, and Sunday, August 26th at ACO, and then Saturday, October 20th at ACO. So that's his five dates that he has set up for ACO Dragway. And like I said, it's an East Coast Stock Super Stock Association. Um, They run combo events, so they get stock versus super stock and and so forth. So uh, you can go onto their website, um, I believe it's eastcoaststocksuperstock.com, or you can give Dave a call. And then also uh, October 28th, he has the Englishtown Fall Classic race that he uh, he draws a pretty good crowd for. That's usually the weekend before Mike Carr's uh, stock super stock race at Mesa Dixon. So uh, it's a it's a good turn, a good uh, closeout for a lot of uh, guys before the winter winter kicks in. And we deal with the 10 degree weather and the snow. Hey, are you in here looking? When is Charlotte on the over? Uh, Charlotte, I believe, is the weekend after Virginia this year. Well, that's spring uh, race. I'm talking race in October. Oh, uh, the fall they, the fall race? Yeah, yeah the it's in September now, I think, right? Didn't it get, uh, October, October, or did it get pushed back? Yeah, it's October I lost 12th track of that race. <laughs> that's it. It went back. Yeah. When they moved St. Louis the spot, then St. Louis they moved something else, and then they moved Charlotte to uh, October. So we have class down there in stock. So I'm gonna try to make that October race. Yeah, I think they oh, made cool. it a little more. I think they made it a little more um, relevant for the Division Two guys because you do Charlotte, and then the following weekend Rockingham. Trying to yeah, get some more cars. I think we're trying to get some more cars to hit Rockingham because really Rockingham's kind of been pretty bleak with uh, the car counts with the Division Two race there. So to maybe get you know some Division One guys that might go down or Division Three guys that might go hit Charlotte might then go hit Rockingham the following weekend. Well, Dinwiddie, Dinwiddie this year the following weekend four wides Charlotte, and you know. They normally run class in the spring race, but now they're doing the fall race, so we're going to head to the fall. Try try to get one of the little wilders. I'm still I'm still on the fence of trying to twist that uh, that that guy's arm about going to Indy this year. So so we're uh, I'm trying. So we uh, it's a it's a big try right now, but you know. Yeah, I still got to get now, that Bob. big guy. Oh, well, well, I'm sorry. I was just going to ask. I meant to ask this earlier, and then I we started talking about something else. With If you would end up being about a second under, would you be thinking about Indy as well? Absolutely. Awesome. Because if if I go, I would go to a place like New Media, July, and or the weekend before at the Bowling Green, try to dial it in and uh, – there's a whole bunch of stuff you got to do when you go out west with the difference in barometer and elevation, and mm-hmm. I, I I think I can step it up a little bit more, and it it would probably be like a 110, 115 undercar here, and at Indy they'd be like 99 under, 98 under. So it's it all depends on the performance and uh, you know what we come up gear set. Uh, I'm going to gear it pretty hard this year and uh, make that little 350 work. Very cool. 
All right. Well, our guest is on the line, so let's take a quick break, and we're going to come back with Redman. Founded in 1959, S&W Performance Group is known worldwide as the leader in drag race chassis development and innovation. Their custom-built, award-winning S&W race cars are used by many of the leading NHRA and IHRA professional nostalgia and sportsman race teams. Their 27,000-square-foot headquarters houses a full line of affordable chassis kits, roll bars and roll cages, suspension parts, rollers to complete race cars, and much more. Specialized made-in-the-USA bolt-on products by S&W Race Parts, CamaroGuys.com, and MustangGuys.com are used by do-it-yourselfers and professionals around the world. S&W Rod Parts are designed for use in custom cars, pro street cars, pro touring cars, street rods, and rat rods. Specialized components are also produced for off-road trucks and RVs. The commercial division, S&W Precision Specialties, provides water jet cutting, MIG and TIG welding, sheet metal forming, round or rectangular tube bending, and a full-service machine shop that includes custom-built trophies and awards. For more information, visit www.swracecars.com or call 800-523-3353. Okay, and we are back. And our guest for the night is on. Um, as I said, he has been um, – he was with Division Three. We're going to talk about that. Um, some people have stickers of him on their car, including my best friend. So we'll have to discuss that. So without further ado, everybody welcome to the show, Bill Floyd, also known as Redman. Hi, Redman. How are you doing tonight? Uh, we are doing great. Um, I'm going to introduce you. We actually have three total on here tonight. Um, our first um, co-host, um, he, I'm going to guess you probably know him. He drives a super, uh, I'm sorry, I was going to say stock. <laughs> he drives a stock eliminator wagon um, in Division One. Um, his name is Bob Bender. Mm-hmm. I met Bob a few years ago. Uh, okay. How you doing? You're a lucky guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, buddy. All right. I'm doing fine, Bob. And you? Hey, woke up this morning. I'm happy. That a boy. <laughs> and our second co-host for the night is the president of the Dot Ninety Association that runs in Division One, and his name is Rob Keister. I think I've met Rob too. Yeah, you might know oh. me. Who knows? I, I, you might know my dad, or you know might know me. I'm not too sure, but I, I do have to apologize that you know Bob Bender. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very <laughs> sorry. So I just want to apologize right now. So you're telling me you won't hold it against me? <laughs> no, I won't hold it against you. <laughs> okay. Wow. Oh man. It's <laughs> a good start. All right. Well, um, Bill. So a lot of people. You know, around, definitely Division Three. Some people that travel to Division Three know you or know of you at least. Um, like I said, you're a sticker on my best friend's car, but we'll get to that. Um, but tell everybody, you know, we, this is a national show. We got some Division Seven. We got some. We actually have people listening from all over the world, to be honest with you. So tell everybody that's listening a little bit about yourself. 
Well, I went to my first drag race when I was 14 years old. I was telling Bob the other day that I saw a flag man race, uh, uh, wave off a 409 Chevrolet against a 427 Ford, and I was hooked ever since. And as soon as I got a driver's license, I started going to Edgewater, which is our local track here outside of Cincinnati, every Saturday. And uh, I just loved the cars, the sound. I could never afford to do it myself, so I spectated. <clears throat> and then in 1971, a position became open at Edgewater for a guy to run the head of staging. So I got the opportunity to do that. And I did that for about seven years down there. And uh, Bob Daniels, who was the Division Three director at the time, had a, well, they called him back then Winston, but it's Lucas now, race. <clears throat> and I was running the starting line. So he told me at the end of the uh, race that if I ever wanted to work an NHRA event, to let him know. So in 1978, I was going through a little struggle in life, and I called him, and I said, uh, is that opportunity still stand? I wanted to work the U.S. Nationals. He said, send me a resume, and you're guaranteed to work the U.S. Nationals. So in 1978, I was out and about, and I get home. I had a phone call from him. And in 1978, he put me to uh, work at the Spring Nationals. That was my first race in Columbus, Ohio. And then I did the 19, or I did the U.S. Nationals. And then each year after that, I would pick up a race, and I turn around and uh, 19, I want to say 81 or 82. Uh, uh, Ron there might have to help me. Whenever Supergas first year was, I believe it was 80, 81. Uh, they were needing starters to be able to call a deep stage because we didn't have what they call the blue light special. So then our division director was Keith Farrell, and he said, I know you was a starter at Edgewater. Would you be our starter in the division? I said, I'd be glad to. So then I became the starter and a tech man for uh, Division Three, And it had just progressed on, and 39 years later, here I am. Wow. That is, that's a pretty, that's a cool story. Um, mm-hmm. So, as I said, um, how I've sort of, I, I'd see these stickers going, you know, just on random cars and stuff, and then I just thought, okay, it's something, it's an inside joke I don't get. Well, you ended up, my best friend is Amanda Boychesco, so she goes to Division Three, you know, sometimes. I guess she's been there a couple times. I know her dad obviously has been. He's been in Indy. He's won Indy a couple times. But, um I see this sticker and I go, well, well, she's got one. So I actually asked her about it and um, I actually asked her about it today and she told me about what the sticker was about. So how about you tell everybody what that sticker is about or at least what she thinks that sticker is about? Well, about, uh, I want to say three or four years ago, I got a friend that's down in Florida and he makes stickers. So I was working the Gator Nationals. And a couple years before that, I was breaking him in in pit control at Atlanta. And he was enjoying working with me and everything else. So he made these stickers and brought them to Gainesville. And he said, here, I made these for you. And he had me a whole handful. And I said, well, why so many? I only need one or two. He says, I'll give them to your friends. So I started seeing some racers. And I said, hey, you wouldn't mind if I ride along with you, will you? And he'd take the sticker and put it on. Well, then I didn't know it was going to explode, and everybody goes, where do I get that sticker? And, where, you know, and I need one of them stickers. So I started having to make more stickers. Well, then I started teasing them that I have my own contingency program. 
and hopefully everybody won't be offended on the show, but my contingency program was if you won an event, you had to buy me one beer. Everybody <laughs> cracked up about that. I says, you don't need no proof of product. It's got to be running the sticker. Well, I'll buy you a case. I says, no, that's not how the program works. One beer, I want you to win 24 times. And it took off, and everybody wants a sticker on their car. I don't know why. Yeah, she sent me that text this morning, and I go, I had to read it twice. I'm like, he owes you. No, you owe him a beer. Okay. <laughs> I was like, that is the coolest. Th- I'm like, that is the coolest thing. I love that. And now I want one. <laughs> well, I'm getting some more made, and uh, I'll give me an address when it's over, and I'll get you some. Oh, sounds good. All right, I'll find you on Facebook. Um, okay. Uh, Robert Bender, go ahead, whoever has a question. Uh, I, I want to know why they call you Red Man. Well, uh, as you know, well, I don't know how far back you go with me. I was redheaded. It's getting a little more gray in it. And uh, redheads are hard to tan. When I was in Vietnam in 68 and 69, it took me three burnings before I became tan. So when I started working the starting line with Buster, my face would always be real red from the sun. And he started nicknaming me Red Man. He said, Red Man, grab that mop, get that water. Okay, hey, Red Man, get this. Red Man, get that. Well, then everybody on safety safari started calling me Red Man, Double R, Lefty, all the people on there, Jim Van Dyke. So then the racers, they started calling me Red Man. So it just it just took off, and I probably half the world doesn't even know my real name. <laughs> it, it's a and I fly my red man sticker proudly on the back of the big fat girl. There and, you uh, go. I'm privileged to have that, but uh, I I know that uh, there's been uh, an incident per se with uh, you working for NHRA, and if you want to talk about that a little bit, I'll let you just go. And before you start talking about that. I wanted to say welcome home, brother. I was there. Well, thank you, sir. Well, I, uh, you know, with every company, there, there's people get put in charge of different departments, and it's in any way you work. And sometimes when um, new people come on, they like to, you know, have their people working. And uh, I, I, I feel like, you know, you have the youth movement and, and possibly the uh, – wanting some of their people with a little more of what they, their program's about to work for them. I know uh, working in the division that it's happened a couple of times in Division Three when division directors change over, uh, especially in three, our directors always came from, like, uh, Bob was from Indy, Keith Farrell was from the Dayton area, and Jim Jay was from up in uh, Bunker Hill, Indiana. So each year that one of those division directors would switch out a team, they would, you know, hire some folks they knew to be more acclimated to the programs they're trying to run. And I know the organization's into some new ventures and new with the TV and everything, and and um, it's kind of a long story. It, it hurt my feelings. Uh, I was pretty uh, shocked when I got the word of it, uh, I guess you could say, Um I have nothing against the organization. I hold them as the highest regard. I always have, always will. Uh, I tried to do everything that was 
humanly possible to uh, be the good nature ice cream man, as I call myself, that when you came into a race track, instead of competent attitude because I had an NHRA shirt on, you were my customer. And where would you like to go, sir or ma'am, and get you off on the right note? And then I would read about people when I'd go all over the country. So when, um, like I tell a story, uh, there's a guy out in the West, um, oh, runs a 68 Camaro. He's big into trains with me. Jim, um, you might know him, runs D-Stock Automatic. I, his name's fading me right now. But he had won some races. And he was always kind of, you know, kind of had a, uh, stern face when he come in. Well, I found out he played a guitar. And one day uh, I was sitting there as he came in, and I started acting like I was strumming a guitar, and he just got the biggest grin, and he told me a story that he played with the Ventures one time back in the day. And then when he found out I liked trains and model trains, uh, his dad had worked on a railroad when he originally lived in West Virginia. Well, I, I think I told you a story that Jim Berberka, He's running Indianapolis, and the first year I worked in Indianapolis was 1978, and he had a black and gold 69 Camaro. Well, I had read about all these people, so when he pulled into the lanes and he got out of that car, I says, I know you. You're the division champ, Ben Moyle champ. You're Jim Bacabura. And he looked dead serious at me and said, my name's Baburka. And we cracked up because I'm not real good with names. <laughs> so we always laugh to this day about it, and... Uh, it's just things like that to make you guys feel it easy when you come in because I always try to tell people that you come in, if I put you in a bad spot, say it's muddy and there's 20 dry spots, or I stick you in a place that's bumpy or whatever, now you're in a bad mood. So you go to tech, and you find out something's wrong with the car, and now you're mad twice. So you fix that and you go to the starting line and the line lock or the foot brake or something doesn't hold and you kind of jump through the light and you look at the starter like, can I back up? And he goes, points you right straight down to the track. Now you're three times mad. So I always felt my position was if I could get you off on a right foot, two out of three times being mad, you'll go, oh, okay. But three out of three, you're going to be pretty furious. So I always thought get people off on the good note. Get them with their friends. Get them with their buddies. You cook together. You work together. You work on each other's car. I've never seen a sport where people jump in and help each other so much in my life that if a guy's got transmission rear end, you'll see four or five guys, nothing but arms and legs under a car to get that guy back or a gal back out onto the track. And uh, people just doesn't realize what drag racing is all about and what a personality this sport has over football, baseball, basketball, you name the sport, there's nothing like drag racing. And that was what I try to do, and uh, I still, like I said, hold the company in high regard. I uh, wish them the best on their new endeavors. I miss doing it. Uh, I'll still be doing a few races for some other folks and some tracks, but I miss working the division, miss working the Hot Rod Reunion, and... Uh, and maybe one of these days, you never know, cooler heads will prevail. Maybe they'll say, hey, let's go get that old uh, knuckleballer out and let him throw a couple pitches. So that's how that went. Go ahead, Rob. No, I mean, that's a, that's a I mean, it's a, it's a very interesting story because, I mean, like you said, uh, 
uh, Bill, it's, you know, you got to treat, you know, their customers, their customers when they come in the, in the gate and, you know, they're paying $320 or whatever it was, you know, for a national event to come in and, and a division race to come in and you expect to be treated like a customer when you come in and, and that's the way you treated people and you found out their personalities. Right. You learn a story on everybody. You know, it's like it, 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 if you learn something about them, and, you know, you guys are classified the little guy, that it makes you feel good if I can come in there that, hey, how'd that guy know this about me? Nobody really cares about me. I run Super Gas, Super Street, whatever it may be, stock. And, and they, they, get, they light up like, wow, this guy, he knows his cars, you know, and, and that's what I did. I learned the job. I wanted to do the job. Like I said, I could never afford to do what you guys do. I admire what you guys pull off. I admire the cars. Uh, when I ran the starting line, I tried to make the best starting line in the country I could possibly make for everybody to hook. Um, I stayed on top of my starting line. Every once in a while, you, you have a, a spin. But then you learn by that spin, what did I should have do? Like Bob will tell you, we do that. You might stop in the middle of stock eliminator or super stock, and you touch up the bald spots. Well, you got to kind of know when to do that. You keep looking back. When's a good time to make that break? You can't do it in front of a Cobra Jet or a, a Copo you could, because they'll just spin the tire or a Hemi. You got to find something like a little bit of a super stock E automatic or E automatic stocker down where the weight's in the back, and when they launch it, it squats and it puts that rubber right back down. And uh, it's just little tricks like that you learn. And uh, it was like something I used to do. And uh, I, I tried it once was gold dusting for alcohol. And I had Fred Manalini says, you're going to cover that up? And I said, no. He says, why not? I says, well, you are a pro stocker with a blower on it. So burn through it and back right in the spot. You'll be fine. Next time you come up, he says, you're going to do that again? Because <laughs> he liked it. So... <laughs> You just you learn you learn the job you learn the craft you know and and that's what I try to do make my make myself the best I could possibly be. Well, I mean you know a lot of people in Division One you know that I talk to that I hang around with always tell me you know you know Redman's the best Redman Redman you know they're you're always you know getting you know thrown around you know how how great the track's always prepped or you know even unfortunately after everything went down with NHRA and. And you didn't weren't doing the parking anymore. It was you know there was there was some you know not gonna lie there was some miscues you know during parking and uh, mm-hmm. you know there was people who just were like man I wish Redman was back and things ran so much smoother with Redman and and you know and and I and I heard a, I heard a you know a little bit this year because you know some people said that the parking went on a, a little better this year than it, than it has in the past and they said well it's almost kind of back to where it was when Redman was parking everybody and you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I mean, it's definitely definitely got to feel good for you that you're doing, uh, you know, that that you're at that, you know, on such a high plateau, I guess you would say that that people look up to you about about how everything you do, you know, is, is great. Well, I really feel good about that because you know I I never was much talented in a lot of things. I could bowl a little. I'm not a very good golfer. If you need somebody to have laughs and drink a beer with, you take me along. Uh, but. Um, you know, I'm not a, a gearhead per se to break a motor down and rebuild it and all that, but I know enough to get myself in trouble with it. But I wanted to be good, and I wanted to train people that you people are family too. This is not just a sport that's 
hey, we go race and we go home and the heck with everything. It's this is I just tell them Bob that it's another thing I learned. This is a happening, and a drag race is with this happening because you people go. You know, you got friends in that ninety class that you like to hang with, and when the evening's over, you cook out together, you have a few beverages together. Like I say, you'll work together, and you see people you don't see every day like when you're on your real job. And and that's what you look forward to going doing when you do this sport. You know, like I said, baseball players to me and football players, they don't have this. Maybe that's why they get in so much trouble, I don't know, but they don't have the gathering that drag racing people have. You know, and, and, and I think that's what makes this sport so special and to people to come and see it is to see how people, if they would really walk around the pits, uh, how it works. I don't know if you all remember an announcer named Leo Tower. Well, Leo was my best buddy. We lost him about three or four years ago to cancer. Well, he was a new hotshot announcer, and he was our division announcer. So they were building the Parks Tower. I forget what year it was there at Indianapolis. Well, he didn't have a place to park the car. So I'm working the back of the lanes, and he come back by me, and he said, uh, hey, he says, uh, you got a place I can hide my car back here? Sure, put it there by my truck. So when he come back by, I was having a, a beverage, and he says, you wouldn't happen to have another one of them, would you? And I said, sure. So we hit it off. That was about 19, I want to say 80 maybe. And uh, the next year we worked together, he parked back there by me, and uh, I asked him, I said, what are you going to do tonight? And he says, well, Dave McClellan and uh, Bob Fry and him have the, I think there was still the Carcraft Magazine Awards at Indy during that time. They're all going there, and i just going to get a bite to eat and go back to the hotel. I said, I'll tell you what, why don't you jump in the truck? I'll take you around a couple places. And we went around to every pit area, and I introduced him to everybody. And they were all excited, like, here's Leo, man, here's the announcer. And he'd meet the wife or the girlfriend or the dog or the cat or the whoever. And he would announce that. If he'd ever been there to the races, when he'd announced He'd have the wife, the girlfriend, whoever's standing there, and and it just made the racers just appreciate it that much more that they get a little plug. You know what I mean? And this guy knows our family. This guy knows my kids. This guy knows whatever. And uh, that that was Leo. He just learned that, and he took off on that, and uh, he was one of the best. Yeah, uh, that's an. I mean, that's an awesome story. I mean. You know, and it's it's so true. I mean, we really are, you know, it is almost like a second family. I mean, really, mm-hmm. when it comes down to it with, with racing, I mean, it's definitely one of those things, and, and Kelly and Bob will attest to it, too, is that, you know, when we know a race is coming up, I mean, you know, we're on the countdown till I guess, pretty much for us from Division One will be Dinwiddie, <clears throat> and, um, you know, middle of April is probably more or less most of our first races. If not, we have an association race in Charlotte uh, or the following weekend. So, you know, it's one of those things where you're – when you walk into work on Monday, you know, you, you sit there and look at the calendar and you're like, all right, Friday, you know, I can't wait yeah, to get out of here and, and go and, and go hang out with my, my friends at the track. Exactly. You're looking forward to it and the excitement builds up. I know I was the same way when a division race in three, you know, I couldn't wait till well, I used to – get excuse for Friday, but uh, take off Thursday night, be heading to Stanton, Michigan, or Martin, or somewhere, and and uh, 
it would just be exciting because you get to see everybody. And, and for me, it was so exciting meeting people that I had read about. I mean, I've dealt with probably some of the biggest names of sports ever ever had. And, I mean, I don't care from the top all the way down to the bottom. I mean, you know, uh, Dan Fletcher in the sportsman ranks, Rampy in the sportsman ranks, or you go to Gartlett Shirley. I've handled them. I ran starting line at Edgewater. They're, they were racing, like I said back then, they were called Winston's. And uh, got to meet all them, you know, and, and it, it, it's been – there's that old saying, a lot of people throw it out there loosely, I'm living a dream. Well, I'm going to tell you, I have lived a dream. And it's been an exciting one. And uh, I tell you, there's so many stories. Like I said, we'd be on here all night, but I was telling Bob the first chance I really got to meet Wally Parks. Uh, Wally came to uh, Indianapolis for the points meet there instead of going to Bristol National Event. And Jay said, Wally's here. And I said, really? And he said, uh, you can get your picture taken with him. And I said, okay. So I asked him, I said, what are you doing here? He says, I'd rather be at this race. And I kind of looked at him, and, I, you know, he loved, sometimes as bad as rap as people want to give Wally, he truly loved sportsman racing. And so when I was getting my picture taken with me, this man was about six foot four. And I was looking up at him, and I said, sir, this is an honor for me. And he said, no, the honor's mine. And I always held that in regard. That was, that kind of puts a little misty eye in me when I think about that story. And uh, I got that picture hanging on the wall to this day. Well, he truly, he he was that way. Yes, he was. He, uh, and speak to everybody. Uh, he'd drive around in the pits. And if he saw you, he'd always speak. I mean, he always spoke to me every time I'd see him at a national event. And uh, he just liked being amongst the people, just like I do. He was a people person, whether a lot of folks believe that or not. He was a people person. And uh, he was just an uh, exciting man to be around. He was a, well, thank God for him, for the visionary of uh, drag racing, right? Absolutely. Mm Mm-hmm. Man, you made yeah. you made me good. You talk about customer service. I pulled in the national event at Maple Grove. I don't I don't know how many years ago. You come up on a scooter and said, "You know where you can, and you know where you can't go. Keep it moving." Mm-hmm. And and that made me feel good because you know there are some that'll try to sneak to the blacktop or do this and that. But you knew that I knew the rules, and that just made me feel good. Well, you know, I've had all the tricks of the trade pulled on me, you know, uh, sometime or another, you know. And a lot of people, and I love Dan Fletcher, a lot of people give Dan a bad rap. He's just intense. Dan's intense. And I used to be scared to death when I had to park Dan. And at the end, you know, I love parking Dan. He'd come in and he'd jump out of that truck and he'd say, what do you got? And I'd, I'd take him here or there and he'd get out and he'd look at that grass like he's shooting a, a par or a birdie or something. And <laughs> He says, I think I'll take this one, Red Man. I said, okay, it's all yours. You know what to do. And uh, then I'd have guys come in that want to argue with you, right? And I'm like, well, I want to go over there. You can't go there. That's pro stock. Well, how about over there? No, nope, that's uh, pro mod. Well, uh, uh, I says, I'd take you to a couple spots, show you. What do you think? And they start grumbling. All right, I have to get off the golf cart. 
Because <laughs> when you see me get off the guard car, that means we're getting nowhere. I said, what are we going to do to resolve this problem? Well, I want somewhere where it's flat. I says, I'll tell you what, I got you a spot. Come here, I'll show it to you. And I take them down there, and they get in there, and they go, hey, this ain't so bad. I really like this. I said, see, I told you I'd take care of you. You'll be fine right here. <laughs> and uh, that's what you do. You try to make them happy. And then after that, when you go through tech and the starting line and the scales, I can't help you there. But, hey, at least you got off on the right foot. <laughs> that's very cool. Um, so I guess you, so you've been around national events since, you know, around 78. So what do you think? I mean, one thing that pops in my head, but I'm also, I wasn't even born when this happened, I think. So, you know, what was the most, I don't even want to say the word dramatic or crazy or whatever. Like the thing that pops in my head is the whole thing. When you said indie, I thought of like the whole thing with modified production and, having the, you know, the protests and everything. I mean, what is the, like, craziest thing that's ever happened at a racetrack that you were there to see, that you were just like, what what the hell? Well, there's always been some kind of activities going on at some of these races. And in Indy, I was working the staging lanes when they did the uh, protest. I'll never forget. Steve says, yes, they can do Steve Gibbs at the time was the competition director. And he says, We'll let them do their parade. They'll go down the return road. Well, there happened to be a Division Four guy who was a Cajun named Bear. I can't pronounce his last name real good, so pardon me, Louisiana, Bellarue, or something like that. And he had a Carmen Ghia, which ran in the modified compact class. He deciphered he's going down the track. And he had his flag out and his sign out, and he drove slow. He didn't do nothing foolish or nothing, but he went right down to the racetrack with his deal. And uh, I know it kind of got him upset, but, uh, you know, everything went smooth. You know, it was kind of a sad day when we got rid of Modified, but, you know, things change, you know, and, and everything. I've seen uh, fires. I've seen uh, activities that we can't talk about on the radio happen at a racetrack. <laughs> <laughs> you need to surprised what we talk about on this show, actually. <laughs> Well, you know, I don't know what we're allowed to get away with, but there was a girl that was into extracurriculum activities. And there's a big old ditch in the back of the stage and lanes down there, and I see all these cameramen down there taking pictures. Well, I walk down there, and, of course, I've got a headset on. And uh, I look down inside that ditch, and there's a creek runs through there where these two people were. It looked like they were having a wrestling match. And... Uh, I guess they looked up and thought I was a cop. And she took off and uh, went into the pit somewhere. Well, I get a hold of the bosses, and, and uh, Lex Dudas, God loving, was in charge of pit control. I hope he's listening because he'll remember this. And uh, uh, Topper, uh, he was the uh, head of security. So they're scouring the pits for this deal, and they finally find this van. And uh, next thing I know, they come in the back of staging where I'm working, escorting this van out the gate three out out so when they found her that she was inside his van with two other guys and she had quite a bit of money on her and they said uh would you like to go to calaboosa would you like to go out the gate so they were going out the gate <laughs> that's probably one of the really oh. things i saw 
Well, wow. I, I think that that is the most interesting story that has ever been on the show. Congratulations. <laughs> that's, the, that's the way to start season five. Well, I, I hope I don't get you rated PG-13. <laughs> Redman, I have literally no. called into this show to do a recap from the Dutch Classic, and I forgot, and I had been drinking all day. So our <laughs> – um, the, the 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 line's really low. The, we set the bar real low. There you go. I mean, I have my own show. I mean, that's, it's, it's that bad. Hey, i tell you what, you know, it's like English Town. I was telling Bob, I, I started uh, – I think the first year I got to English Town was 81, and uh, it was before they built the wall. And uh, I was telling him there was mm-hmm. a boy out of Kentucky had a Chevelle, ran K-Stick, Philip Lacey, and, and him and his wife had a, um, a Suburban with an open trailer and a couple Basset Hounds. Well, back in the old days, before they redid the pits in English Town, there was a gravel road ran along that uh, lake back there. So I was teasing Phil being kind of late. I said, well, Phil, I don't have much up this way, but I'll tell you what I got for you. I said, I got some beachfront property. So I took him down there parking parallel along that road, and he loved it. The dogs got to stay cool. It was about 90 to 95 every day. And he said, man, that's one of the best pit spots he'd ever had. <laughs> you know, most people be arguing. You know? But he loved it. And uh, like I said, there's just stories all over. I was in Atlanta when – some stuff went on, and, you know, they stole Warren Johnson's or tried to his door off his pro stock mm-hmm. before they got him stopped. And every track's got some kind of story. Yeah. It, it seems to be that these days, it, and they start, they keep coming. I mean, we've heard of some stuff that happened at the Keystones this year with some people trying to steal some stuff or – walk into some people's trailers, you know, un, uh, unwelcome. So it's it's crazy. It, it just keeps coming. <laughs> well, I was kind of instrumental into the uh, parking the rigs, you know, at the racetrack. I know uh, Bob will remember you used to go to a shopping mall or you went somewhere to mm-hmm. sit there all night or leave your rig there and go to the hotel. Well, it's, I forget what year, Bob, but I have to refresh my memory that – there's a lot of thievery going on. People's race rigs getting stolen and cars getting stolen. So one year at Indy, I told uh, Linwood Dupree, who was the assistant uh, race director at the time, I said, uh, Linwood, I says, I'm on vacation between Bowling Green and Indy. I says, why don't we start parking these guys when they come in? I said, that way they got a safe place to leave their rigs. They can go to the hotel, relax. They can go spend money in town, help the communities and and, you know, the city like of Indy and, and everything. And that's when we started parking at the racetrack and, and getting away from um, having to be at a mall, not less, you know, it's bad weather or whatever. I know at Maple Grove one mm-hmm. time we had, to go, we had to go to Reading because it was so wet. But uh, yep. it's, it's, it's like it, it, it really made the racers happier, especially ones that do stay in a motel, that they could leave their rig in there. They knew it was safe. Security was there. And, uh it, it it was one of my proud accomplishments of talking them into that and listening a little bit, and that was pretty neat. And the racers, they were more relieved, too, you know. Yeah, I mean, because, these days, I mean, when, because when my dad started running, like, super comp and stuff, and when I was little and I was still in school on a Wednesday and I wasn't going to help him to tech or whatever, I you know, he would. They would go to the mall, and then they'd drive to the mall, and then they'd, 
unload the car, go to tech, and then load the car back up and go to the racetrack. These days, I mean, I, I, I and not just me. I mean, I'm, I know I, I'm a little over excessive what I have, but a lot of people are like me. They have stacker trailers, two race cars, you know, two race cars you're untying and then tying back up. And I mean, it's like a one day race is a pain in the butt. Like we usually just bring one car. Like it's like me racing, testing or whatever, or him, my dad testing. It's, it's never the two of us because two cars in like having to like undo the three ring circus. That is my racing oh, yeah. operation in one day is a pain, mm-hmm. but back then you could. So, you know, these days it's just one drive. You go to tech. Heck these days you don't even have to bring your car to tech. You know, it's, well, it's just gotten we, better, uh, better. When I started, you. when I started doing Indy, you, if most, most everybody was still open trailer. A two-car team was mm-hmm. a ramp truck and an open trailer. And, man, you thought, this guy must be a bad cat, man. He's got two cars. Well, yeah. it was up a little 24-foot boxes, I guess, at the time were coming out. And you thought, this must be a bad guy, too. But at Indy in the day, and I'm, I'm sure Bob can relate and some of the folks on here can relate, you took the rig out every night. You didn't get the luxury of staying in the track. You took them out every night. And then you had to get back mm-hmm. in line and then try to find a good pit spot all over again the next day. So it was like a race <laughs> to the pits and then a race going on. And uh, yeah. finally, you know, finally it, 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 it just grew to where you can't take those big rigs in and out. You know, they're just so big. Mm-hmm. So, and some of them yeah, no, have open. <laughs> mm-hmm. Go ahead. Mary Sam Bob? I, I said some of us poor folks still have open trailers. I'll tell you what, that was the big thrill. We'd all fight over in pit control. When we see an open trailer, who's got him? I got him, I got him. Everybody be yelling, I got him, because <laughs> he was going to get a primo pit spot, because, man, you might have some little tight spot. You go, this is going to kind of tight, but it's up close. I'll take it. And, boy, off we go. And, uh, you know, it's it's it's, uh, it's it was always neat to get an open trailer. Uh, talk about stories, a, a fellow New Yorker over there. Uh, I haven't seen the gentleman in a while. Him and his wife came to Indy. He had a beautiful black Chevy truck, open trailer, and he was running super stock G automatic. It was like a 68 Nova with a silver metallic and a, a, a red through the side of it, like you'd see on a boat. It was a beautiful car. He come pulling in one day. We was talking about was earlier there about attitudes, and, I said, well, sir, we got some room over here, we got some room there, and we got there. He says, well, I'll find a place to park. I says, well, sir, it don't work that way. Well, yeah, I will. I said, no, you won't. Well, then he started throwing me some, uh, uh, calling me that famous name that has mother in front. And uh, <laughs> he said, uh, I finally looked at him and said, no, you won't. And I said, if I don't park you, there'll be one guy come out of that tower that's got more stripes than I do. And if he has to walk all the way here, He's not going to be happy camper. So here's what I got, some room here or there. Well, there was another kid was from um, New York, ran a 55 Chevrolet. Bob will probably remember him. Humphreys, I can't remember his first name. Young boy, had a ran like Super P automatic or, or whatever back in the day. He says, you got a spot by him? Eh, I might. So we went over and there wasn't enough room. Well, I don't know how many of you have been to Indy, but there's the road that comes in on an angle from the return road and then the road that runs back to the uh, lot four and lot eight. 
Well, that road that goes back to Lot 4 and Lot 8 was gravel. Well, on that triangle just happened to be a spot for a pickup truck, a race car, and a trailer. He says, can I have that spot? Can you get it on there? Oh, yeah, I can get that to fit. Okay, have a nice day. Every day I'd drive by, it was about 95 out, and that race car, the pickup truck, and his wife became light brown every day from the dust. And I'm thinking, nice pit spot. So, haven't seen the man for a couple of years. And he comes back, and he stepped his act up. He's got a gooseneck trailer. Come in and... Hey, can we help you? We've got spots here, here, here. He says, no, I want to park down in what they call the dips, which is down in back of the staging lanes, which if you've ever been to Indy, it's kind of up and down. It's just good for open trailers. Okay, you can get that over there? Sure. Well, a buddy of mine called me to come down and look at what was going on, and here this trailer was. He had it cocked up on a hill. The left side of the whole trailer is off the ground. And he's trying to unload stuff oh at this trailer to drop. So we called Bill Holt at the time, which took Lex's place. And uh, he went over and had a pep talk with the guy. He says, I'm going to move you once. I can move you now or I can do it after the race. Kid says, I'll move now. And he said, next time you listen to the guys when they're trying to help you. But that was one of those stubborn racers that, hey, I know what I'm doing. Okay, have a nice day. And... Um, <laughs> But he learned a lesson, and I never did see that gentleman again. Uh, great car. It ran fast. I never did know what his name was, but uh, beautiful car. And but that's just some of the stories, you know. Yeah, we we got a, we yeah. got two of those stubborn people in Division One. <laughs> well, when I first went over there, I uh, it was like, whoa, man, this was a different world for me, you know. Uh, you're talking about stories. I was dating a lady at the time who worked pick control. And Bob will remember there used to be a pick control board, and you could go and look at the qualifying sheets, and a woman would be there and help you look this stuff up. Well, it just happened to be a gal I was uh, dating at the time, and she had quite the temper. And uh, she was sitting there, and she had a notepad and pens and stuff, and she let you make, you know, back then and hand writes you down the qualifying. Well, some girl runs up and just grabs one of them off the, her hooks there and takes off. And she told the lady, said, watch my table. And off into the crowd she went and snatched that out of her hand and says, now, if you want to make a copy, you can, but you do not get this one. <laughs> and, uh, but once I got to learn everybody over there, it's just like anywhere else, you know. It's all great people, you know. Just fabulous people I've met over the life. You know, there's so many I can't even remember anymore. There's, 30, like I said, 39 years. I go back with Jim Boudreau, you know, and all them guys. Uh, Dave LeBron, God, what a great racer he was. And, and that, that was another thing neat. I, I heard Bob before he, we went on the air talking about, you know, they come to Bowling Green and then they go to Indy. And, uh, them guys would all come in, about five or six of them every year together. Uh, uh, Broadbent, uh, LeBron, uh, Boudreaux, um, uh, Betnez, uh Jimmy Roberts. Here they'd all come in, and we just have a blast when they'd come in, you know. And, and I still do because Jimmy comes down every year. Boudreaux, he comes to Bowling Green. He loves that place, and uh, what a fine gentleman he is. And uh, – it's just it's just neat when you guys come in like 
it was always a thrill for me. I was the welcome wagon there. I'd have a uh, an adult beverage in my hand, and we'd be sitting there under a big shade tree, and, hey, what are you doing down here? And you'd be excited, like, who else is going to come in, you know? Because all seven divisions are usually represented at that race uh, because they're all scrambling to go to Indy. So it's a pretty exciting race. If you ever get to make that points meet, you'll really like that place. It's a nice mom-and-pop's drag strip, roofs on the grandstands. Uh, you sit real close, and it's real loud. And you'll probably see more stick cars there than you do anywhere else in the country. But it's just a neat mm-hmm. facility. It's got the amusement park, a big campground, showers in the pits, and it's just a fun place to go to. That's really cool. Uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky, Beach Men. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you ever been there, Bob? Oh, yeah, back in the 70s. Right. And uh, I I was stationed in the Army District at Fort Knox. And, uh, oh, okay. We got to go over there every now and then, but uh, did a whole lot of racing down there at uh, the little, the beautiful little eighth mile. Wow, Valley. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's, still, that's still there operating. Uh, uh, former racer, his son runs that, uh, Lloyd Huff, who used to run back in the old gas modified days. And uh, they own that place now. Yeah, I I raced there in '69, and uh, it it was pretty slim pickings with guardrails and stuff. And if you kind of overshot things, you might end up in the Ohio River. Oh yeah, but, uh, that now that's Edgewater. Uh, Bowling Green's got the I think that's the Cumberland that runs down the back of it, and uh, it uh, yeah you can miss it. And they, but they got to run off to the left, kind of run off into this field, and. Uh, Dallas has bought some property there. He hasn't got it asphalted yet, but you, if you would lose brakes, you can kind of run off to the left there and about having to go into the trees. But, uh, yeah, it, it, I've met some of the greatest Division One guys. So I'll tell you, tell you one that still races off and on, Wally Clark. I got to meet him, and uh, I think Pete, wasn't it, uh, F-E-D-U-N, uh, was partners with him, and they had a couple – 68 Camaros they ran in super stock that had the, the maple leaf on the side. I think they were green and white with the red maple leaf. And they came down there and run in, I think it was 1979 when I met them guys. That's when I worked at Sports Nationals, and they all come down. That race used to draw about 800 cars. That was a big race. You and that was strictly uh, pro comp down. There was no pros. So that was an exciting race. Well, while he still makes his cameo appearances uh, from time to time, he, he's doing a lot of traveling. And uh, Wally's Wiley, a good egg, man. He, he's good oh, yeah, kid. I like Wally. He's a, he was a great guy. Uh, uh, I, I've had the experience, and one thing has been fabulous with the company is, is I was in the military for three years, and I thought I got to see a lot. And one of my ventures in the military was is, uh, you're all familiar with Cecil County. I was stationed at Aberdeen, Maryland Proving Grounds for about six months. And I got to go to Cecil County and see Bill Grumpy Jenkins with that Chevy 2 A-stick car there, and that was a big thrill. And then uh, I got to go to Capitol, which is what, down between Baltimore and Washington? I got to go yeah. there a couple times, and that was neat. But uh, with the company, like I was saying, I've got to see more of this beautiful country of ours than I'd ever did in the military. 
and I've worked every national event at least once. I even got to go to Montreal once. Probably the only national event, two of them I never worked, was Virginia and the original Cajuns. But I worked every 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 one of the others. And it's uh, been a big thrill. Got to see a lot of things. I mean, for a guy like me, you know, Vegas would be a pipe dream. Uh, I got to go to Vegas. I've been to Pomona. I've been to Seattle, Denver. You name the track. Got to see a lot of things. Uh, uh, Places I probably would have never been, and uh, it's like I said, I've lived a dream. I mean, it's just hard to believe that uh, for a guy that just hung on a fence, you know, to, to uh, get to be around such a, a great sport and great people has just been fabulous to me. So, so I guess, like, what what's your favorite track? I mean, what's that one track that you know you were like that still stands out to you, or was it you're like, wow? Well, Bowling Green, I guess, for mom and pops, because it's like you're you're pulling into <laughs> arc, and there's the trees, and there's everything. It's kind of like a maple grove, only it's it's laid out a little different. And what makes it unique is the roof on the grandstand, so you're sitting in the shade. But of course, you need that shade; it gets really hot down there. Uh, I always like Gainesville, uh, Indy, because it's just huge. You know, it's 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 just. To me, that was always the premier race, and that's where I cut my teeth spectating in 1969. And uh, that got me hooked on the Nationals. I went for one day, and it was like 1,500 race cars. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And they ran during the day, no lights, and unbelievable to see that many cars run. I mean, it would be two in, the, two in the shutdown area, two leaving, and two burning out. That's the way Buster used to run them. And, uh, of course, cars weren't as fast as they are now, so there wasn't uh, the issue of somebody running up somebody's back, you know. So, but uh, that's probably the top three tracks. But every track I like, it's they're all unique. They're all beautiful. I admire the people that have them and, and try to do some things to them, you know. I mean, Bruton Smith's got the cathedrals. We all know that. Vegas is, Vegas is such a neat track, all asphalt pits like uh, Charlotte is. <clears throat> Pomona is unique with the history and the museum being there. The Texas tracks, they're big. I mean, they're they're long, long shutdowns. Uh, Atlanta, when we first went to Atlanta, it was kind of different. But then uh, when Gary Brown bought it, a former comp and pro stock guy, him and his parents, he's the one that changed Atlanta to the way it is now. And I kind of like Atlanta. A lot of people don't, but I, I always liked Atlanta. Columbus. History uh, was always kind of short, but history. Of course, English Town, it's history, you know. Maple Grove, beautiful when the weather's beautiful. You know, it's just, uh, they're all they're all great. Norwalk, I mean, what can you say about the Baiters? They put on a premiere show. They uh, they love the racers. They uh, What place comes around with a golf cart with donuts, coffee, orange juice every day? Uh, and, and and they're out there picking up paper. I've seen Bill Jr. handling trash, uh, and they just love racing. They just uh, they're at a fireworks show. If you've never seen that, it's probably goes against any town on the Fourth of July. It's 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 just a wild show, and um, they know how to promote. And Chicago's a nice place when it doesn't rain, and uh, <laughs> St. Louis kind of unique. It's different. So they all got their little specialties, you know. Denver. Being built up the side of a mountain, 
Uh, if you've never been there, you got the interstate and the spectator parking lot up a little higher, then the racetrack up to the next step, and then the next step's the pit area. So it goes right up the side of this mountain in layers, and uh, it's pretty neat. It's 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 different, and um, but um, they're all great. And uh, but Bowling Green, it's just. If you ever get there, I've had people come from California. I'd say, man, you go to Indy, you got to stop by Bowling Green. And when I see them later on, they say, Red Man, we're so glad we swung by there. What a neat spot. They really loved it. And I'm talking Karen Comstock out west and, and Morgan Lucas when he was running Super Comp. Even um, um, Ashley Force, uh, John brought her down. She ran Super Comp at that points meet one year, and it was pretty neat. John hung around in the pits and talked to people. So, yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty neat place. Uh, a lot of the big racers have raced there. Beckman, when he was world champion in Super Comp. Jack, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of who else has been down there. J.R. Todd. Um, a lot of the big time Sean Langdon racers have been there. So, it's a pretty neat little place. And uh, I just love going. Yeah, speaking of Cecil County, I mean that's you know that's a premier track for Division One guys. Lives what 15 minutes I think from there. That's, that's from, right. Bob's right down the street. Bob's right down the street from Cecil County. So, well, then he knows where Aberdeen Proving Grounds is at. I was there for six months, and I and I tell you the story. I hitchhiked up there. You know, I mean back then you could be a little brave and hitchhike. You know, compared to the way the world is now. So I hitchhiked up there, and there was a kid on post. I I noticed a car on post, and he gave me a ride back, but I got to see Grumpy Jenkins, uh, Vernon Riley, the old Bronco Buster. I think Malcolm Durham was there. It was there's three or four four of them funny cars there, and then like I say, Grumpy was there with that A stock deuce, and that was that was neat. That old cigar in his mouth and that old you know open faced helmet, and uh, him doing them short chirpy burnouts. It was pretty awesome. Well, Aberdeen's still alive and well. And I live halfway between Aberdeen and Cecil, right off Route 40. Mm-hmm. Well, you you know these slot cars, they call them, right? The, the little cars they run on the track, you know? Well, out here in the Midwest, this is becoming big. They drag race these things now. And there used to be a, a, a store there at Aberdeen, right outside the post. And I'll never forget, I had one built. I had a Volkswagen body style on it, and that reminds me of another East Coast car, um, when it the Mori brothers had that Volkswagen blue one, ran like B altered or something back in the yeah. day. And I had this Volkswagen body put on this slot car and I put B altered in the windows and everything. And, uh, I still got that car to this day sitting on the shelf somewhere. And, uh, yeah, it was built right there at Aberdeen. So, and then Capitol was kind of unique climbing up. Well, didn't you have to climb up a hill to get in that place? Seems like you wiggled up a hill to get up there, and it's set up on top, if I remember yeah. right. Yeah, when you go in there, it's the long entrance, then you go down a little a little hill, and then you go up the big hill to get up, up to the uh, pit area. Yeah, I, I remember. You all are going to laugh at this, and so is all the folks listening. I had a Volkswagen, a 65 Volkswagen. You're talking stock. A stock Volkswagen, 40 horsepower. And uh, I had went home and got it and took it to Aberdeen with me. Uh, you know, you're listening to the radio and you hear this 
racing, racing Sunday, yada, 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 you know. And I go to two guys, you want to go see the drag races? Sure. We loaded up and headed to Capitol Raceway. Well, I seen his Volkswagen convertible racing. 22 seconds. And then I got the fever. I says, I think I'll go race that guy. And uh, I did 23 seconds. <laughs> this guy, uh, I, he come up, he said, man, he says, you know, uh, the car's pretty quick. I says, yeah, I know. I says, I think you got me today. So when that last yellow light come on, I said, see ya. And I beat him. He was coming on me, but I held him off, and I, I still got that trophy from Capitol Raceway. I hope I'm there. Yeah. Did you get me on, Faye? Hello? Faye? Yeah. Yeah, you're still here. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know. I, I <laughs> sit there. and uh, But, uh, yeah, I got that trophy sitting up on a on a mantle here that I won from Capitol Raceway. And uh, that was pretty neat. But... Uh, yeah, I've done a lot of crazy things. I was afforded Texas for a year. I went to an old track called Austin Raceway Park. Um, and there's another one down here. It's called Little River. A lot of the Division Four boys remember it used to be called Temple Academy Dragway, which was an old abandoned highway with trees on both sides. And you're talking about close. You got the guardrails, and then you're standing behind the fence. And uh, that was crazy back there in the 60s. But uh, the trees had some kind of sap, and it would drain on the track, and that was their glue. And that was a hook and old track, that old Temple Academy was. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, a, that's, a, <laughs> that's a pretty cool story. Hello? They didn't <laughs> have hey. So... Any more questions? <laughs> yeah, what's your name? Then? Huh? This is Redman. Oh, okay. Just one. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't mean to lure you all asleep. You got me started, and uh, like I said, we could go on forever. Oh, that's good no, stuff, we're, man. Hey, we're we're not going to get kicked off uh, online for another 29 minutes and 46 seconds, so we will talk to you as long as you are willing to talk to us. Cause this is very <laughs> I mean, uh, if you ever, I mean, any stories you want to know, like I say, I went to the original San Antonio Dragway. That was a neat place. And it, uh, I got to see Gartlett's run, uh, I think it was Shirley at the time. And one thing was neat about San Antonio, had two sets of lights. And at the eighth mile, a light would come on and show you who was leading. And then at the quarter mile, either his light would come back on or the other guys would come on where he caught him. But yeah, it was unique. It was an old, uh, back then it was called American Hot Rod Association, HRA. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, I got to see that, I run under that sanctioning body. I even uh, raced my Volkswagen in uh, NASCAR. A lot of people don't believe that NASCAR sanctioned drag racing for a while in the, in the mm-hmm. 60s and early 70s. And uh, mm-hmm. they did it for about four or five years. <clears throat> Yeah, we had a couple tracks here in Division One that were NASCAR tracks. Yeah, I mean, they had some neat classes. It was like uh, you had like a double A stock, double B stock, C. I don't remember a double D, but they had a double E and a, a, a double F, and a lot of those 60 Pontiacs with the 389s ran in them classes. The big one, the 421, would run in, I think, double C, and then the 389s ran like in – Double E and Double F, 
And then uh, their modified production, I think, was a modified street, they called it. So it'd like be, instead of being BMP, it'd be BMS. And, uh, but, uh, oh, God, man, those, 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 those was, it was a neat sanction body and a lot of good racing. And, of course, uh, a lot of the listeners, I'm sure, remember when you went back and you, uh, you had to win class at the local track to be in the eliminator. You just didn't automatically go run for money. You had to win class if you had a stock, super stock. Of course, back then there wasn't no ET. Uh, so you had to win your class to actually get in the eliminator run for the money. <clears throat> and then it was a uh, win class was either a trophy or $5. And uh, I, know, I know you guys won't know these boys, but uh, they were from Seymour, Indiana, home of John Cougar Mellencamp. And they were named the Allry Brothers. And they ran Fords. They were Ford-backed. And they had one of them big high-risers. And I ran into John one time. We got talking. I says, I got pictures of uh, all your cars. He said, well, when he lost his parents, uh, it was a bad fire at their farm. They lost everything they had. So I made copies of all my pictures that I had for him and give them to him. So I told him when he used to run Dallas Kelly, who had one, I said, the only way I could tell you apart was Dallas had those chrome Astral mags, and you had them chrome stock rims. And he said, that wasn't chrome, that was chrome paint. <laughs> so they, they had painted the rims chrome color. And uh, it was it, it was just a neat deal. Them guys were great guys and raced for a lot of years. And like I say, they were Ford-backed, and uh, they ran uh, uh, the 64 Galaxies, the first time I ever seen them run, and then they had – Fair lanes and Mustangs, and and uh, they were some bad cats. And and to relay back where I started, the guy that lived next door to their mom and dad's farm was John Cougar Mellencamp, and he used to come over and hang out and watch him work on the cars. And uh, and that was a neat story. I said that kid would come over and hang out with them. So. Wow. Yeah. Wow. yeah, and he even came to the nationals one year. Uh, John was running a stalker, and I was working staging, and John said, yeah, you just missed him. He just left. He was at Indy, and eh, it was probably about 70, 78, 79, and he came, he came to Indy one day, spectated. But, yeah, they were good friends, lived right next door to each other. So, so how about been- – Huh? Go ahead, Bob. I was going to ask you, did you ever make it to Suffolk back in the day? Never made it there. I, I uh, There, and what was the one I just talked to somebody said the old place? I never made Warren Robbins uh, either, and they always had some good racing there. Uh, I wished I would have. Uh, we just lost a gentleman, a neat guy, who helped me with uh, my pictures. Uh, Bob Rice, we just lost about a couple months yep. ago. Uh, neat gentleman. Never met Bob personally. Met him on the internet, and he knew I had some pictures, and he asked me if I would send them to him. Well, you know, when you don't know somebody, you're not going to turn your pictures loose. So I said, I'll tell you what, I'll send you so many across through the computer. And uh, he made up a website. I don't know if it's still up, but if you got on his site, he had his stuff, and then he'd have Bill Redman Floyd, and you'd punch on there, and then it would have my pictures that I took for years, back like when Edgewater had grass in the middle before it went to the way it is now. And it, I had some pictures from uh, Kill Care, pictures from, 
course, Edgewater, uh, Indy, and some pictures from Texas. But I never did make self. I always wanted to go, just never did get there. Hey Bob, I can I can actually say I made it to Selfhook. Yeah, but you well, just... they, they say that was a mind chap, Bob. But no, they say you was fast there. If you could, a lot of records were set at that old place uh, back in the day. I mean, uh, Bobby Warren and them guys, they dominated that place. In in eighty four, nineteen eighty four, there were sixty four records set in stock and super stock combined, mm-hmm. and you, Dave, Dave LeBron. Uh, earlier, Dave and I were good friends, and we had set the records at Maple Grove. Went down there and reset them, figuring that they were resealed in the barn. They would, you know, let us alone. At four in the morning, we helped Exocalus and the and, and the crew, you know, certify these motors, and then we had to tear our stuff down. And you know, Dave done mine, and I done his. Mm-hmm. And it was it was hard work, but God, it was fun. Oh, yeah, well, like you say, everybody pitched in, you know, and, and, and it just, uh, you get two or three guys working on there, and, and uh, and you know, back then the record meant something. It was really, it still means something, but it was really prestigious, and uh, uh, it was like uh, uh, really a prestigious deal to, you know, have the record, and um, uh I know it was always neat when you're you're working like I did at certification teams, seeing guys set records, or you'd be sitting in the stands back when I was spectating, and then they'd be going, this guy's going for the record, and then you'd see him hit it. And, of course, back in the day, you know, didn't have indexes. You ran off the national record. was your handicap. So, yeah, it was a, it was a different ball game back then, that's for sure. Hey Redman, I got a uh, I got a text message from a, a fellow racer who wanted uh, wanted to say hi. Uh, Jeff Kondratik wanted to say hi to you. Yes, I got to see Jeff at the NHRA Division Banquet this year in Indianapolis. I had went up to the PRI show to uh, see some folks, and I didn't get to see him there. And uh, some friends of mine on the team wanted me to come back up Saturday night, and I said, "Look, I'm not, you know, don't want to disrupt nothing, anything else like that." I'll come in a little later, and he gave me a big old hug and got her picture taken together. I always liked Jeff. Got to meet his daughter, who does the show, right? Because I think yep. when you had Graham Light on, she was one of the uh, interviewers, and uh, uh, it was nice meeting her. Yeah, Jeff, uh, I got to handle him a lot because <clears throat> one of the uh, conflicts is what is special parking, and a lot of racers do not understand special parking. They automatically think somebody's being treated with favoritism, and, hey, how come uh, Jeff Conradic got that spot? How come I can't get that spot? Well, uh, he is the Lucas representative, which Lucas sponsors all these races and pays your contingencies and stuff, so they make spots if they are available for these sponsors. Because they, mm-hmm. you know, help pay the bills, and it's it's not really a favoritism. It's just that you're giving them a little extra visibility. And once a racer understands that, they 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 accept it. But at first, they go like, "Well, how come he gets that all the time?" Well, that word gets out, so then naturally somebody thinks, "Well, you're playing favorites." No, we treat everybody the same, or at least I do. And if we didn't have to put Jeff there, guess who'd be there? First guy, whoever wanted it. 
And, uh, yeah, Jeff's a great guy, just a great guy. He yep. does uh, yeah, Lucas he well. Does. He's a good representative for him. Yep, we, we'll we'll see him next weekend in Hershey for our uh, Division One banquet, no doubt. So, uh, you tell uh, him Jeff I said a, hey, and it, I uh, I enjoyed having my picture taken with him, and I always enjoyed uh, seeing him at Gainesville. It was usually the first race I got to see him at for the points meet in the national event, and uh, of course I got to deal with him at Maple Grove in English Town. So, yeah. Yeah, he's he's definitely a great representative for the for Division One and Lucas Oil, and he you know he's stand up guy and you know, never steers wrong. And like uh, you know, like Kelly said, or it was uh, you know, anytime there's a problem, whether a safety issue or it was, she's you know she's over there just like the same thing with Jeff is you know. Uh, you oh know, yeah, and I mean you know the it's it just it it it's it's people like that is is like we just said it just it makes <laughs> it makes it fun. And you look forward to going and seeing them. And if you need help, they'll do anything they can to help you. You know, it, it, it's just, uh, like I said, there's no other sport like this. Even NASCAR, sprint cars. I go to the World Outlaws all the time. And, you know, they all BS together and, and stuff. But, I mean, they don't have what you all have. And neither does NASCAR. I mean, you know, they get in their motor home and they're done. Well, you guys, you know, like I said, you sit and, and you got a little fire going if it's a cool night and a couple of belt beverages and somebody's throwed some burgers on, you know, and it, it, it's just so, it's, it, it, I wish I was a better English major where I knew the proper words to use, but then I don't want to make it too mushy, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think ever necessarily all drag racing, like types of drag racing has that, that like NHRA sports and racers have. Because I've been to bracket races and I like I have met I think I have met the worst like not to be mean it's just the I don't know if it's just because they didn't know me or whatever I got so much attitude just going to bracket races from people and it's like I'm just trying to like stay in my lane here and like try to remember that you know I'm it's not a pro tree and make sure well I'm glad you refreshed my memory on that you're you're absolutely right. I remember one of the first ET finals uh, I ever had to work, and I never worked them again because I don't know what it is about them, I guess, because they're treated so special, say at the local level or whatever, but they, some of them have really got some egos, you know what I mean? And, and you're right, yeah. they don't. It's so, I guess because they are running for so much money, it's more blood and guts, I don't know, but uh, it, it, they're great people, it's just, their racing style of drag racing compared to what NHRA, IHRA national events and divisionals do is is different. And uh, you're right; it's it's just a it's a different atmosphere. But in all, drag racing is great. I was telling Bob a story. I worked the first class nationals, they called it, in Byron, Illinois, in the year 2000. Well. Uh, they made it a combination NHRA, IHRA event. It was strictly stock, super stock, outlaw, super stock, and nostalgia, super stock. Well, a lot of NHRA guys wouldn't go, and because I don't know if they was afraid the company would get mad or whatever, I said, I'm going. And it wasn't that I was being cantankerous or whatever else. I was going because I didn't want somebody saying, Oh, them snobs from NHRA, they won't come work this race, yada, yada, yada. I was going to represent our company, 
and make sure the racer yeah. knew that that uh, we were there and we supported them. And I worked the two that Michael Beer put on. I was telling Bob, uh, I walked up to the tech area, and there was three of the IHRA guys there, and I love them dearly, Danny Waters Sr. And uh, uh, Bob, uh, I think his last name's Kenton, maybe. And I can't think of the other guy's name. He's got a nickname. And I met them three guys. And I walked up to them, you know, and they had that kind of look because um, I was an NHRA rep, and I said, let me tell you something, guys. You're the American League, and we're the National League. You believe in the designated hitter, and we don't. But when the day is over, it's drag racing, and it's baseball. And, uh, boy, they just grinned, and after that, we all got along just fine. <coughs> and uh, had to room with some of them guys. Great stories. Yeah, they got great stories, just like, you know, we do, and uh, some of the things that go on in their, their side of the fence. So some really good representatives over there, too. I mean, they, uh, Dan, like I said, Danny Water. Senior, he's a class act. I've met Junior, uh, and, and uh, there's really some good people over there. Yeah, and and that's that. What you said is absolutely true. I mean, you know, uh, and about the bracket racing into into, you know, the different officials is a lot of these guys. I think kind of forget that we both we all put our pants on the same way. I mean, there's not, you know, not somebody puts, you know, it on a different way than somebody else or it was. I mean, Bob may put his pants on differently. Well, I'm not too sure, but, um, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's kind of like we, you know, Kelly can test is there was, there was something on Facebook about a, you know, um, a big event that they want to have with the, uh, with the index series is kind of, you know, starting to really blossom here on the, on the East coast and, and stuff and you know they want to have it and you know there was talk of having like the dot 90 guys the, the, the super gas yes, super com super street guys and you uh, know the index guys are like bashing the dot 90 guys like oh we don't want them you know we don't want them there it was it's like well, why like we all do we we're all here for drag racing we're all here to to you know you know increase the the sport i mean you might not like throttle stop racing you know not everybody does but we all put our pants on the same way and, and that's the way it is it's it's, you know, come on, guys. We all have to work together. Well, a lot of them get a bad taste for, for the sanctioned bodies uh, because sometimes our rules are so so uh, sticky. But if we didn't have them sticky rules, we all know what can happen in a, in a blink of an eye with a car, and and, and, and that's that's why the rules are in place. Uh, you know, I've seen drivers, well, I've drove this car 100 times and nothing's happened. I said, well, what happens on 101? And then they start mm-hmm. thinking about it. And, and you know, the bracket racers got to realize something. Maybe one day they want to come up and play. And look at the guys that we've got over the years that's come up and played out of bracket racing. Dan Fletcher's a fine example. I remember meeting him in 1984 at Brayton at that, uh, I don't know if that was the Snowbirds or what, but they had bracket racing like the first two days, and then they had the class cars the next couple days. And he was running that Camaro, and it was orange at the time. Him and his father come mm-hmm. down. And that's the first time I ever met Dan. And then, uh, you know, uh, Beyondo boys, uh, a bunch of these, these racers that are good have moved up. Um, little uh, uh, Labuse, him and his dad. Yeah. I mean, John Sr. was a big-time bracket racer there in Tennessee and still is. And uh, Junior, I mean, look at the world champion this year, you know. And uh, Bertozzi. You know, a lot of those guys, uh, 
they come up through the ranks and jumped in, and then they said, hey, we can teach you boys a thing or two. And, I mean, look at some of them good bracket racers that have got into comp eliminator. One of the bad hits that comp gets is cutting that tree down a little bit because, you know, you can run as fast as you want to. But you get somebody like Biondo and them boys that know how to saw that tree down, now all of a sudden it's hard to make up that deficit, you know. So, uh, you know, they ought to look at it that it's it's another form of racing. Uh, I've gone to other things and worked them for tracks, local tracks, and, and getting to meet people like the Hot Rod Reunion. You go meet all them people, it's all pre-72, 76, whatever it is now. <clears throat> what a different bunch of people, but they have so much fun. And you go to Bowling Green, and one thing's neat, they furnished me a golf cart. The PA system's not the best down there, so when you park people, they have a hard time here. Well, part of my job is to go around and say, hey, Nostalgia Superstock, you're up. And then, hey, Modified, you're up. And those people couldn't thank me enough for coming around and said, we would have never knew what was going on if you didn't come around. And I said, that's my job, to make sure you make every call. And, I mean, some of them folks are running the Red Man sticker, you know, and, and great people. They just, their racing is, what's funny about their racing is, they're picnicking, and then you come by and say, hey, you're up. Oh, I guess i got to go make a time run. And then they come back and go back to picnicking. And then uh, they just enjoy it. Uh, they have a hoot down there at Bowling Green with that hot rod reunion. And uh, and you really get to see some neat old cars from back in the old days. you got the geezer gassers, nostalgia super stocks, uh, uh, they got what they call hot rod, which is a uh, bracket, which is a catch-all for anything that can't make a class. They got a gas class. They got modified. They got what they call open comp. No dragsters with a rear engine. Everything's front engine. So there's no rear engine dragsters on the place. It's all front engine. And um, it's neat to see the old guys sawing away on that old two-handled uh, steering wheel, you know, carrying the wheels. So it's a, it's a neat show. And uh, and they and they love it. A lot of them come and support our races. I mean, spectating wise, I've seen a lot of them spectating. So now, um, so we have a couple minutes left. Um, I have one question. So you said that you never really got to, you know, race on the level, you know, the on the like the divisional level or the national event level. You know, you said you did mm-hmm. some racing before and the fly car stuff, but. If you could race any class, you know, or, and it can be, it doesn't have to be necessarily NHRA or a, you know, a sportsman class or whatever. If you could race any class, what class would it be? I would probably not make it my dot 90 guy mad, but probably super stock or stock. Ah, uh, there's just something about you know, them cars. We can't hate on that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I, I tell you what, when you're running the when you're running the starting line, and you see a guy like the nice winger John John and uh, Jeff, and that green Camaro carries them way out past the tree, and you go, and they don't let out, and then they lay them down easy, mm-hmm. and it's like, wow. I mean, and and then they run the number. You know, usually you think when they drop them down, they're going to lose a little something. How about that run by David Barton at uh, where was that? Either Norwalk or Indy. It went like eight eight oh something. Mm-hmm. He carried the wheels way out there in that copo. I mean, uh, to me, uh, I, I uh, one time a guy said, "I'll tell you what, I'll let you drive my car." I said, "Oh, I can't do that." He had an A stock automatic, <laughs> and I said, wow. "I don't know if we could legally do it, but if you got a seat in there and you can buckle me in, 
I'd love to ride along and feel that front end lift up and come back down. But, uh, oh, well. But I like the Heads Up Boys, too. They're fun to watch because you have to, a lot of people don't understand them. But uh, when you watch and you go down and watch them backing in on that back end down there, you go. And boys are tough now, I'm telling you. Them guys have got it together. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. now, I, I have a, um, what's that? I said probably super stock or stock. That's where I'd I'd wind up. But then again, you know, I don't know if I want to do all that teardown, right, Bob? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do as much as they used to do. I know. At least with the heads up guy, they they can't do too much to him except you know if something else is wrong. But uh, you know, it, it's it's uh, they're just neat to see where they got to run on such a guideline and 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 get to do what they do. It's uh, and. Uh, since modify would have probably been really where I wanted to be, but when we lost them in the 80s, it was uh, super stock probably took my heart after that. Yeah. Uh, no, I have a super gasser that is down in the basement right now. He just got home from work, and I think if uh, he's a pretty decent super gas driver, I will give you that. Uh, but if he had a chance to jump in a super stocker, he'd he'd be like, okay, here, take that super, here, take my throttle stop. I'm jumping in this car. So I I can't blame you, Red Man. I know. I mean, like I say, look at one of the all-time uh, winners, Peter Biondo. Yeah, didn't he start out in the heads mm-hmm. up, and he got in that stocker and super stocker and really started uh, going to town. And, uh, you know, and them guys are good drivers. They can do it. It's just that, you know, they've been so used to doing one way and and, and, and not mm-hmm. knowing it. I'm like you, if they could ever get in one and probably be in that thing when it leaves like it does, they'd probably say, hmm, I might have to look at one of those, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Now, is your dad, he's got a dragster, right? Um, uh, who's that? I'm not sure what he's... Kelly or... Kelly, Kelly, has your dad got a dragster? No, my dad has a super comp... My dad has a super comp... Oh, I'm sorry, super comp. It used to be super comp. He has a super gas um, Camaro. My fiance has a super gas Vega, and I have a super street Camaro. Okay, well, I probably saw dad and boyfriend probably... At- Reading sometime or another, you know. Uh, I used well, to park. Well, you probably uh, saw. Mm-hmm. I if parked, you uh, were there when it was at the mall, you probably saw the previous owner of the Vega and my dad and his Grand Prix. Oh, okay. Well, I was there that year yeah. when they they were at the mall, and then came the track, and then uh, I always parked. Uh, I don't know if he parks with uh, what's Tommy's name? Had the Willies. Oh, <coughs> Goldman. Yeah, and all them guys parked together. There's about five or six of them. I always put them in there. Don Houser's, Bochesco, they all still park together. (laughs) Yeah, they always like going right into that bank there and and on the angle. And, see, that was something I did to try to help Redding. You know, everybody used to be way down there in the back and that soft. And I one time said to the boss, I said, why don't we try putting these guys on an angle? I think we can get more cars in this this field here anyway and and then if you got weather it's a little easier to get you out you know when you got a jackknife yeah. a rig you all know that it's that you start plowing the ground and then it gets stuck worse and then the damage starts maybe getting on a rig and but if you're on an angle it's just an easy pull out get the back wheels on there and you're out of there so yeah and yeah, that started spot that. was a great spot we used to always go to until it's this is completely a first world problem we got a new motorhome with a satellite dish, and the satellite mm. gets blocked by the tree line. 
So we parked to the left now. But uh-huh. my dad is like one of them, like Parker's dreams. Like he'll just go, like tell me where to park. I'll go wherever you want. I won't complain. I won't do anything. Like he'll just do, you know, whatever you tell him to do. But he'll if you also if you leave him like to go by himself, we're we get in mm-hmm. trouble. <laughs> we don't mean to. It's just like just tell us exactly where to go. This is just easier this way. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, it was fun. I liked reading. Uh, when we did that angle parking, and everybody seemed to like it better. And, and then, like I said, we did have issues with weather, and it was easy to get them out. And then Lex and the company put in that new stone to help out a little bit. You know, the road's better. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, Redding's, Redding's uh, one beautiful place. And naturally, the Shady Maple, everybody loves that place. Yeah. <laughs> this is very true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so. man. <laughs> So we have just a couple minutes left. So I just, instead of uh, getting cut off, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Um, mm-hmm. You know, hopefully we can have you back again because I'm sure you have more stories that you would love to tell us. I sure do. And uh, like I said, let me know. Tell Chris, uh, let me know. Uh, I'd be glad to come on. I'm sure you don't want me back to back to back, but uh, I did a little show down here. <laughs> A little show down here in the Cincinnati area is called the Horsepower Hour. He's on Saturdays uh, for two hours. And uh, he uh, had me on with two uh, old modified drivers, and we kind of talked about the old days. And naturally, like you all asked me how I got my start and the, and the nickname Red Man. And he said, you've got an open door to come anytime. I said, well, you know, maybe every other month or something to whereby I don't go, oh, don't they have somebody else? <laughs> so... <laughs> I would love to come on and, uh, uh, you know, anytime you want me, just give me a heads up and we'll do it. That's great. Um, all right, guys, we got two minutes. Anybody want to say any last closing things to Redman? Hey, Redman. Hope to see you soon, buddy. All right, we'll catch up somewhere and uh, uh, tell all them East Coast racers I miss them, love them all, and uh, I, I hope everybody had a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And I had this thing in my mind about I, I really, if it gets around, and there's some of our folks, I know you got a couple in the area. I want to thank the, our military, especially uh, uh, the police departments, the firemen, the EMTs, anybody that makes us safe in this country to get to do this sport of drag racing or bowling or whatever we love to do. Uh, I really appreciate what they do. You know, I mean, I've had my fair, fair share of speeding tickets like anybody else, but, hey, they're just doing their job, and, and if we didn't have them, it'd really be chaos. And I really appreciate if any of them listen to it. I appreciate what they do in this country. Amen. Very well Couldn't said. Couldn't say it better myself. Yeah. All right. Rob, you got You all it. have a great <laughs> new year, and hopefully catch you somewhere. And um, like I said, just let me know whenever you want me on. I hope people out there listen. Enjoyed it. I know my voice is just a little froggy. I'm getting into my good Joe Cocker imitation. Uh, I do karaoke, which is uh, I do You Can Leave Your Hat On, and it's quite the show. (laughs) 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 uh, Oh, you need to come hang out with us. (laughs) There you go. So, uh, but uh, y'all have a safe spring and the rest of the winter, and uh, hey, I'll be keeping up with you on Facebook or wherever I can catch you. Sounds good. Awesome. And uh, look for that friend request. <laughs> All right, dude. Yeah. All right. Yep.
Uh, give me an address, and I'll get you a sticker to put on that Super Street car. Thank you. All right, You're everybody. Welcome. Good night. <laughs> See ya. Good night, Bill. Bill Redman Floyd, everybody. Two seconds left. Good night, everybody. Night. Good night.